Hello, and welcome to the commentary for Lesson 335. This is uh, the rest of 2 Kings chapter 4. And we continue on with the story of Elisha, and this time it's about a woman from Shunem. You know, she, the town of Shunem is sort of on his way. He travels a lot, apparently, between Mount Carmel and Gilgal. And so Shunem is on the way, or in between those two towns. And so this wealthy woman lives there, and she urges him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Then she says to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So I love that. I love the kindness that she is displaying here. And I love that she's not looking for anything in return. She really just wants to offer him a place to stay. Um, she's very hospitable. So she kind of reminds me of, if you saw the movie Blindside about Michael Orr, the football player, and the woman in that movie is played by Sandra Bullock. I forget her character's name, but this character kind of reminds me of the character in that movie, just the way that she, um, thinks nothing of bringing someone and letting them stay in her home. And it just reminds us that, you know, God is love and kindness to others. While it can't buy us our ticket to heaven, it can't buy us salvation. It can be evidence of our salvation. You know, that compassion for others and that kindness for others is the fruit that we produce through our faith. So she definitely displays that. So I love that. And then it says one day in verse 11, Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the concern, the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Makes me wonder if maybe Elisha speaks a different language than her and Gehazi has to translate. I don't know. It's just interesting because he says, tell her, da-da-da-da-da, when they're all right there together. So it's just curious. But anyways, Gehazi, I want to point out, he was also Elijah's assistant. And so if you think about it, I wonder sometimes if Gehazi had any strife or jealousy um, festering beneath the surface when it came to Elisha, because if he was Elijah's assistant, then you would assume that he could have become Elijah's successor. Remember, Joshua was Moses's assistant and he became his successor. So you just got to wonder, um, knowing that about Gehazi, as we continue in the story, that might help us understand his character a little bit better. So Elijah then says, what can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? And no, she says, my family takes good care of me. I love that. She is showing content and it really lets us know that she literally was not expecting anything in return from Elisha. Now, if she knew who he was, which you would assume she did, because everyone in the land knew that he was the successor to Elijah, 
then she would know that he was a prophet and he could he could make anything happen. And apparently it seems, it doesn't say specifically, but it seems that she was barren, that she had no children. Her husband was old. And that com- becomes clear because then later Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? She said, no, thank you. She goes away. I like that Elisha still, you know, he doesn't accept no for an answer. He really wants to do something kind for her. And so Gehazi replies, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband's an old man. Well, there's a lot to that because if her husband's an old man, then he will die before her and she will be a poor widow. It was very important to have a son back then because if your husband died, your son would take care of you. So this was a big deal that she had no children or that I should say that she had no son because I guess she could have had a daughter because Gehazi replied she has no son, not that she had no children. Anyways, call her back again, Elisha says. And so she returns and he says, this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. And she is so beside herself. And she says, no, my Lord, oh man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. So that is something that her heart has been longing. You can tell by her reaction to even the thought of her having a son. And so sure enough, by the time he came back the next year, she had a child, just like he said. But unfortunately, one day that child, when he was older, he was out in the fields helping his father. And suddenly he cried because his head was hurting him really bad. His father sent him back to his mother, back to the house. And the mother held him on her lap. It says around noontime he died. She carried him, verse 21, she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. That goes so against a woman's instinct. A mother's instinct would not be to leave your son in a room. She had to, I mean, you'd think you would be overcome with emotion. You'd be sitting there crying and, um, just pleading to God or, or I don't know, but you can imagine what that moment would look like. And she would need to prepare the arrangements for burial, but she's not concerned with that. Immediately it says she sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. That is her concern. She wants to hurry to the man of God. Her husband says, why go today? It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. The reason he said it is neither a new moon festival nor the Sabbath is because that was the only reason they would otherwise go to Mount Carmel. He did not get why she was going, why she wanted to see the man of God. He did not get that she was going there to see him. Now, I googled that area. It was about 25 miles from her house to Mount Carmel, where Elisha was. That is about a 10-hour walk. Now, she was going fast. She had a donkey, so maybe she got there in half that time, best-case scenario, maybe five hours. So then she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel. Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you and your family? And um, she tells Gehazi that everything's fine. So it's 
apparent here that she doesn't want to talk to Gehazi. She wants to talk to Elisha. She knows who can help her, and that's the man of God. She, this is not just faith in Elisha. This shows her faith in God. She understands that the power of God that was given to him can do amazing things. She also probably had heard about the miracle that Elijah did. Because remember, when I said, does this story sound familiar? Well, back in 1 Kings 17, Elijah brought a a boy back to life for the widow at Zarephath. I'm going to go back and read that a little bit just to refresh our memories because it's really pretty amazing. And this this is the woman that he also um, helped her with oil and flour. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord promised through Elijah, it says in verse um, 16. So, but I want to skip forward. It says in verse 19, but Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me? causing her son to die. Wow, so many parallels, right? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. So that's what Elijah did. Now we're looking at Elisha in very similar circumstances. And what does he do? He sends Gehazi with his staff, which is interesting. Apparently, Elisha has a staff. He doesn't use the cloak of Elisha. He has his own staff, which is similar to Moses. Moses had a staff. And this staff must have had power because, or it must have been used for some of his good, his works, because he told Gehazi to lay the staff on the child's face. But again, the staff is not what has the power. It's God. And regardless of whether, you know, Gehazi was Elisha's assistant, but he was not a prophet. And you wonder the limitations of his faith because he like, he went there, he hurried ahead of them um, because Elisha and the woman were traveling back, but he ran ahead, put the staff on the child's face and it did nothing. So, Instead of staying there and praying to God, it says nothing of that. He goes back to meet Elisha and the woman and says, it didn't work. He's still dead. So it just kind of tells you that, you know, good actions without faith achieve nothing. And you wonder where his head is, right? Where his heart is. So even though he was running ahead, The mother said to Elijah, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So he did return with her. And when he gets there, it says in verse 32, when Elijah arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. He did not just take it for what it was worth and go, oh, well, darn it. Gehazi tried the staff. It didn't work. That's too bad. No, he has faith. He has deep faith in the Lord and the Lord's ability. And he also remembers the works that Elijah did. 
and how Elijah was able to bring that boy back to life. And we know that because he does the same thing in the same way, much the same way that Elijah did. In verse 33 or 34, it says, Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Now, I know that's weird, if you can picture it. A grown man stretching himself out on top of a child. That's kind of a disturbing picture to me, but we don't know why he did that. But I know that he did it because that's what Elijah did. And it worked. So Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. So Elisha says to Gehazi, call the child's mother. And when she came in, he said, here, take your son. Of course, she felt overwhelmed with gratitude. I mean, can you imagine? You weren't able to conceive a son, and then you got one, and then he died. And then here's someone that you were kind to just because, expected nothing in return. And Elisha was able to bring her son back from death. What an amazing moment. And then we read about miracles during a famine, but that really barely holds a candle to the story about the woman from Shunem. I mean, really, but I'll mention it anyways, because it's there and I don't want to skip it. So um, Elijah returns to Gilgal. There's famine in the land. And one day a group of prophets is seated before him and he says to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. So they make this stew, but apparently one of the ingredients was poisonous. The men, a couple of the men notice it and they say, man of God, there's poison in the stew. So they would not eat it. Elisha says, bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and says, okay, it's good. Go ahead and eat it now. Flour. So can you imagine that maybe there would have been a little hesitation from the men when he says, go ahead and eat it? Do you think that some of them might have been tempted to look at the others and go, okay, you first. <laughs> that would be definitely a measure of their faith. How quickly did they, I mean, they were hungry, so they wanted to, but how quickly did they lap up that stew or did they maybe wait a little bit and let the others and watch their response? So it's just kind of interesting. It doesn't say that, but you can assume that that there could have been some hesitation. Anyways. But clearly it did not harm them. And then we hear about um, Elisha feeds a hundred people with not very much grain. Um, he just had a sack of grain and 20 loaves of barley bread. So that wasn't enough, obviously, to make that much food. And his servant was surprised that that was Elisha's plan. But he said, Give it to the people so they can eat, for this is what the Lord says. Everyone will eat, and there will even be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. Good stuff. So Elisha, really, I love this. I love how we're seeing the parallels between his work and Elijah's work, and that he is performing miracles throughout this region. So that's a great place to stop. Um, I would say the takeaway is definitely, you know, what kind of faith do we have? This woman 
displayed a lot of faith in that she wasn't concerned with burying her child. She wanted to go find Elisha. And it wasn't enough to talk to his assistant. She wanted Elisha to come home with her. And Elijah, even though she didn't tell him she didn't have to, he knew that he had to hurry home and help her. Um, also, the, the faith of the men that all Elisha did was put some flour in that stew and, and says, okay, it's good to eat. Go ahead. And uh, that would be a test of their faith. How quickly did they eat up that stew? So anyways, definitely faith is the story today, the takeaway. Um, and so I just love it. Anyways, that's really it for today. I hope you all have a great day. I will talk to you soon.